This is Oregon State's running back, Demi Martinez, and you're listening to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, Damian Martinez, red hot, uh, will be one of the two outstanding freshman running backs, true freshman running backs, the two best in the conference, squaring off. Damian Martinez has had a hotter hand of late than Jaden Ott, but Jaden Ott is good. And like Damian, uh, with a burst, can make people miss. So that's going to be one of the kind of the sidebar stories, in a sense, the battle of the freshman running backs. Saturday night, 6 o'clock, and the Beavers hope to get the best of that, run the ball, do their thing, play defense, get to Jack Plummer and sack him. He's been sacked 28 times. The offensive line hasn't performed well for Cal. So the Beavers hope to take advantage of that and get to 7-3. and three. And joining us to just let that kind of, trying to go to 7-3, and three, we'll let that kind of sink into the uh, hearing of our next guest, who will, I'm sure will have a thought about that and what Jonathan's up to here and all things Oregon State. She writes for USA Today now, but I think always has a place in her heart and certainly her soul with what's going on with the Beavers. It's a pleasure to welcome our good friend Lindsay Schnell back to the Joe Beaver Show. Lindsay, good morning. I don't want to speak for you, but do I speak the truth when, when I talk about anything that goes on with, with Oregon State Athletics? You're absolutely right, Mike. If people pay close attention when I'm walking around campus, because I'm there a lot during basketball season, my nails are usually painted orange. It's <laughs> the way I'm always rooting for the Beavers, always thinking of them silently. And in that sense, Lindsay, before we get to hoops and what you see going on in year 13 for Scott, a person you go back with uh, quite a ways in his journey and your own, but what do you make of what Jonathan Smith's up to in football and the season the Beavers are having? I'm not sure how closely you follow it or how, you know, whether you're seeing most of the games, but I just said the Beavers have a chance to win Saturday to go to 7-3, and three, which I think that in itself is pretty impressive. I watch every game. Um, I have a few other Oregon State alums that I'm constantly talking with about the games. Uh, I'm just really impressed. You know, I think that... He, I know that he walked into a really rough situation on a lot of levels. Oregon State often has not had the support and the resources that other programs do, especially that one down the road. And what he's done both in finding guys that are kind of under the radar, developing players, I, I'm really impressed. And, you know, I the other day and I said, uh, you know, I think they can be a team that goes to a bowl game every year. And they're already obviously qualified. And so it's cool to think that they can just, like, keep going, like, keep climbing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, what bowl have they not been to? I don't remember. Have they well, been to the Holiday Bowl? No, the, the, the Holiday Bowl, Lindsay, I don't think the Holiday Bowl really exists. They talk about a game that goes on there. But I've never been there. I've never no. seen it. I'm not sure it really does exist. But that is one game. <laughs> That's a game that I'd like to see the Beavers play in someday. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think it's um, it's really impressive. And I, to me, like, the coolest thing is you want the rivalry game to matter. Um, and it's going to, I think, yeah. for the foreseeable future. There was, a, there was a period of time where it didn't matter that much because it wasn't very competitive. And I know that that was really hard for everyone. It's more fun when both programs are good. Um, so I think that it's awesome. It's, it's impressive. I think that they still, you know, my... I think like the critique of the Oregon State Athletic Department is really outside of the baseball team, people don't know how to play as the favorite. 
and that's like the next step to learn how to be ranked and not just win but like crush crush someone and mm-hmm. I, I think there's various programs such as you know, I think about, I had a friend last week who was going to the and I said, I've watched some heartbreaking things happen in that stadium. You know, I always think about Joe Halahuni dropping that, yeah. uh, what would have been a game-winning touchdown, and then having to deal with some horrible uh, fan comments when he got home. But mm-hmm. it's, it's just a game, <laughs> you know, right. but I think it is exciting that they have been doing well. I just, I'm impressed with Jonathan, and I think he's a really good fit in Corvallis. At Oregon State, I think that it's cool to have someone so invested. You know, he cares so deeply because he went there, and he was there at the highest of highs. Lindsay Schnell joining us. Lindsay, I'll just say this. I don't know if there's any adjustment you can make physically where you are, your phone, where it's placed. You're, you're a little bit breaking up here and there on us. Just wanted to let you know. It's not, it's not unlistenable by any means, but it, I'm, we're missing words here and there. So I, don't, I just wanted to let you know that as we transition a bit into basketball, and speaking of good fits, I, I, just, I think the, the coaches in the basketball programs here are exactly that. Wayne Tinkle and Scott Ruick. Scott is now on year 13. Just trying to process that was a little hard for me the other day when he was introduced at Gill prior to the Hawaii game. And in year 13, your head coach, Scott Ruick, the PA, Matt Kanan, saying that. And I just almost paused. 13, really? It's gone pretty quickly, and it's been a very impressive run, hasn't it, Lindsay? It looks like he's kind of in the midst of, I'm not saying starting from scratch, but trying to build the thing back up into a Final Four-type caliber program again. And I think he's excited about the process that he's in right now. Yeah, I agree with that. First of all, I did move. Hopefully it's coming through a little it's better. better. Yes. There's a lot of construction going on. Around. Okay. problem. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that they're in like a total rebuild, but definitely lost some key pieces and are back where they often thrive, which is a lot of people writing them off um, mm-hmm. and underestimating them. And it's going to be a year of growth. You know, I think that one of the best indicators of Scott being such a good coach and such a good teacher is that his teams always play their best at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing right now, you know, against Hawaii, not great, <laughs> but I'm confident it'll look a lot better in March. Now they're going to get some really good non-conference tests. They come up here in the PK invite and then they go to Hawaii and they're going to play LSU most likely. Um, but yeah, and I agree with you. Great fit. And of course, you know, Wayne Tinkle, I just love Wayne Tinkle. I think everyone does, um, just like the best guy, the best family. I think it's really unfair that they have to play Duke (laughs) the PK invite, um, after last year, (laughs) that seems really, it's like, hasn't he suffered enough? (laughs) But I think they're great fits and, I think that they can both, I mean, obviously Scott has already proven this, but I think Tinkle can too. Like, they can both be consistent tournament teams, and that's what you want. You want to be playing in the postseason. Lindsay, what, what do you remember? We've talked about this before, but it's been a while. Just thinking about the 13-year run. You were close. You covered him in his national championship run at George Fox in the ensuing year and the opportunity that came. What kind of conversations, as close as you two have always been but were then when you were covering him and he was considering this, what, what do you remember his attitude and demeanor was about this job 
and you're, I guess, as a, as a friend and a journalist at the same time, talking to him about the opportunity that was present here at Oregon State 13 years ago. I have a very vivid memory of um, after his introductory press conference where uh, his parents, uh, Mary Lou and Mark Ruick, got to meet you, Mike, and <laughs> Mary Lou almost passed out. She couldn't <laughs> believe she was meeting a celebrity. Um, I remember sitting with him in the locker room, and he just looked at me and shrugged and said, why can't we win here? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Like, why, why can't we do it here? And, you know, he walked into a horrible situation, and a lot of people thought of it as the worst job in America, and it scared off a lot of people. And he just saw the positives. He just saw the opportunities. He saw the things that they could build on and what makes Corvallis unique, but also, like, in being unique, also really attractive to the right person. And, you know, (laughs) it's hard because sometimes I think that I have such a um, warped perspective. Like, I believe that him and his staff are so good and they're so good at X's and O's that I'm like, yeah, why not here? Go win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you in the final four more? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's a little unfair. But I, yeah. I just think that, you know, he wins. That, that is a huge part of his success. He knows how to put people in positions. And it's uh, it's funny because I was texting the other day with um, Nick Dashiell, the Oregonian mm-hmm. current um, Oregon State beat reporter, and I said, you know, Scott loved the project. And I, I was referring to some some of the post players on the team. Like, But it's really true overall, I think. He likes the challenge. He's been counted out a lot throughout his life. And he enjoys proving people wrong. So I think what he's done is pretty incredible. And the fan support, you know, this was Corvallis loves basketball. That community was so hungry mm-hmm. for good basketball and um, got it on the women's side first and then took some time. But, you know, it's like, I mean, you were there when they went to the Elite Eight, the way that people were just loving that run. I think it's awesome. Lindsay Schnell, USA Today uh, writer, will talk a little bit about her world there and and, and the stories she's pursuing and covering and just some of the things going on in uh, her current employ at USA Today here in a moment. Lindsay, in kind of getting back to Scott and the 13 years ago and the decision and why not here, he built the thing up so quickly. I mean, the competitiveness came immediately and some unlikely wins immediately. But not long into his era, here he is going to the tournament and going to the Final Four and then the Elite Eight. It's difficult for me, and you say that because of his coaching acumen, you say, well, do that again and, and keep doing it. What have you seen sort of since those really heady days in the changing landscape of college basketball, is he, is everyone trying to adapt to it, to try to find the right way to get back to that level again And in this day and age? Can Scott and the staff and the players do it again, in your view? Oh, I absolutely think they can. You know, the best thing about those deep runs for any team in any sport is it helps you on the recruiting trail. Uh, that was why they've you know, continue to sign such good classes. Their class this year, the kids that are freshmen right now, you know, ranked number three in the country. Um, I do see a lot of similarities with baseball. I've said this to a lot of people. Um, they go on this incredible run, and then suddenly they're in the mix with a lot of kids that they've never been in the mix with before. And they find some kids, and maybe they're not the best fit. And, you know, I think all the time about 
the baseball team wins back-to-back national championships. Suddenly they're like signing five stars and mm-hmm. then things fall apart for a little bit. And Pat Casey owned it and said, you know, we got to go back to our roots and bring in guys that fit our program. And yesterday was signing day, obviously. And I was pretty excited, like looking at the Oregon state signed two local kids. Uh, also, I mean, I was stoked. I saw local kids signing at Oregon state at Oregon at university of Portland. Um, and, you know, I remember when he signed Aaliyah Goodman and I was not, excited hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I was underwhelmed and okay. uh, you know she yeah. didn't have any other Pac-12 offers and I was like really and you know wow mm-hmm. she just turned into an incredible player an incredible leader um so I think that we should all just like trust him when he's going after someone that maybe not everyone else sees you know he sees something and he can coach it out of them so I absolutely believe they can get back to that level. I mean, you know, and, and also we're seeing parity grow so much in women's basketball and it's all, I mean, they're a top 20 program. Like I know they're not ranked right now, mm-hmm. but if you name the top 20 best programs over the last decade, they'd absolutely be up there. They might be top 15 or top 10. Yes. So yeah, they can get back there. And I, I'm a, I'm a believer in, in Kalia, you know, I have mm-hmm. this vision that one day at Gill Coliseum, instead of everyone chanting, OSU, they'll chant TVO, hmm. you know, while mm-hmm. she's on some like 40 point run. Mm-hmm. So, okay. got to make that happen. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it really, it's exciting to see what's ahead for her this year. We interviewed AJ Marat on the Joe Beaver show yesterday. It looks like she is taking a jump in her overall game and is going to be a, an important player in this year's roster. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Lindsay. It is going to be. Yeah, go ahead. be the next great defender in this program. I'm telling you right now. AJ, who did you say? I'm sorry. Going to be the next great perimeter defender to come out of Oregon State. Excellent. Okay, that's good to hear. And she talked about with us about making a full, you know, full-fledged commitment to being really good on that end. Now, tomorrow on the show, we're going to uh, visit with uh, Donovan Hunter out of South Medford High School. I don't know how much you follow the high school scene these days. I I just know when you talk about signing Oregonians and signing people local, well, down, you know, way down in the state. But that's a local signee, no doubt. That's a local signee. Yeah. Do you know anything about her game or what she might bring? I don't, but okay. it's on. I, I literally have a list in my phone of all of these kids who have signed locally to try to go watch them mm-hmm. this year. Because the other kid they signed is from Barlow, which is uh, close to mm-hmm. much closer to Portland than South Medford is. Right. <laughs> um, and there's that stud at Clackamas, who's a junior. She's the number one ranked player in the country. Um, so no, I I don't know, but um, I again I like the local kids with the chips on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched her play, but I'm excited to see her. Excited to see what they can do. I mean, one of the best local kids ever is on the staff now, and Devin yes. Hunter. You know. Yes. Um, I want more Devin Hunters. So yeah, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm telling you this, Lindsay. I don't know what your schedule holds on December 16th, but I, I was told by our good friend BG Gould. B just helped kind of, you know, she, he's been real close with uh, with Donovan and the family and helped helped us get her on the show tomorrow. But B says I'm coming with South Medford to Corvallis High School December 16th. South Medford will play at CHS on December 16th and. I'm planning on going to that. So if you want to come down and see her, come on down. It would be fun to see you then. Hey, before we let you go, 
uh, in my calendar right now. Like. Okay. Hey, before we let you go, what's happening in your world? I see uh, you've been tweeting, and, and I don't know if you're covering the Brittany Griner saga. I mean, I know that we we don't have time to, to, to break that all down and where it goes next, but I see that you're on that, at least, whether you're writing about it for USA Today, I don't know. Give us a sense, Lindsay, of, of where you are in your space, what you're covering, stories you're following, et cetera. I have been writing about Brittany Griner a lot, and okay. you're correct that we don't have time. That's a, that's a right. whole different segment. That's a whole different yes. show. Yes, it <laughs> but, is. Um, Today, when you called me, I was working on some stuff to preview the PK invite. You know, oh. the Oregon and mm -hmm. Oregon State and Portland State are all going to be in and welcoming some of the top men's and women's talent in college basketball up here to the Moda Center. Although Dan Dickow from Gonzaga has told me that true Oregonians uh, know to still call it the Rose Garden. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be right. full of NBA prospects. There's going to be a ton of NBA scouts. So I was actually just working on a little list of the top prospects to watch. Um, but doing a, a little bit of everything. Wrote some college basketball, some college basketball preview stuff, you know, for the women's side. Um, and I, I'm just waiting to get the, hey, Oregon State has been a surprise. Go down there and write a story on Oregon State football. Okay. I'm waiting for that phone call. It hasn't come yet, but I'm well, confident it will someday soon. Well, you so know what? We're doing a little bit of everything, but I'm, always keeping on the beavers. And maybe, and just maybe we can at a future date, you know, talk about Brittany's story. Do you, ha do you have something out now online that people could access that you and your research, uh, so at least people can get a feel for what this next step and the penal colony, gosh, it doesn't sound good. What, what, yeah. Can you give us a quick sense of what, what's next before we let you go or what you think is happening next? Yeah, well, so she's currently en route to the penal colony. Um, from She's been had been at a detention center outside of Moscow. And basically, until she gets there, she's not going to have contact with the outside world. So it'll take about a month. Um, Russian authorities don't have to share where she's going. They will be in, they will inform her legal team once she's there. So it's just a waiting game at this point. It's obviously very sad, very scary. Mm -hmm. um, those are those penal colonies where most prisoners have to do hard labor are in very remote old places in Russia. So um, but yeah, people can just Google my name and Brittany's name and a bunch of stuff will pop up because I've covered it. Um, since for almost a year now, I guess okay. she's, she's been our nine, eight or nine months at this point. Yeah, Lindsay, and if you don't mind, and thank you for that, send me, email me, send me some of the research you're doing. That'll help me get a handle on what we're looking at at uh, the Phil Knight legacy because I'm excited to be able to come up there and see it. But if you want to share some information with me, I, I wouldn't begrudge that. In fact, I'd appreciate it greatly. So uh, I hope we can stay in touch. Probably. I have to say something else before I go. Yes. You have to explain to people why I came on this week. And it's because I think it was last week or the week before you had a Linfield student on. Oh, yes, yes. This, thank you. McKenna Mills. About, yeah. Um, her paper that she wrote on Linfield in the streak, you know, they mm -hmm. uh, put together 66 consecutive winning seasons. 
and I'm her professor. I mean, she wrote that story for my class, and when she told me that she, oh, I went on this radio show with the Oregon State guys, I was like, you went on the Joe Beaver show? My partner is on one? I want you to know she got a very good grade on that story. Okay. It's very good. And we will, once she revises it, we will make sure that you get to read an edited Please. Copy. Yeah, Lindsay, I, when I was talking with McKenna, she was talking about doing this for a class. I didn't follow that line of questioning, well, what class and who's your instructor? And I didn't realize it was you. That's great, great to know. And we really enjoyed meeting her and talking with her. And yes, please send me the revi the final edited version of what I really appreciated the work. And the very fact that she was interested in doing it is what impressed me. So I'm glad you liked it as uh, her instructor and look forward to getting a copy of it. Lindsay, we're out of time. I really appreciate you making time, and you're right. That was what sort of led me. You texted me and said, hey, McKenna Mills, she's my student, and that kind of led us down a road to reconnect. It's been good talking to you. Let's do it again soon. Thanks for taking time for us, Lindsay. Sounds good, and I will see you at the PK invite, Mike. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, that's Lindsay Schnell with Big Jim Wilson coming up in a few minutes. John is back. We're going to take a quick break and final break, and then you can tell me what you saw upstairs. I'm just looking at the uh, bracket. The bracket for next, the PK. and we'll talk, we'll tease that too. Talk about that on 1240 Joe Radio. Our final few minutes of the first hour of the Joe Beaver Show. Hall of Famer Big Jim Wilson joining us at 12.05 out of the gate. Johnny, quickly, upstairs, good practice. Look great. Um, uh, interesting, interesting drill I've never seen that I liked. It was five on five, half court. Uh, for me, it was a lot of learning to do. I oh, watched yeah. the game the other night. It, actually, I didn't. I take that back. I watched it the next morning, mm -hmm. fast forward. Right. Um, so really my first opportunity to stop, look, watch, mm -hmm. try and call play-by-play -play in my head mm -hmm. to learn numbers. And I got it down, Billado, mm -hmm. I didn't see a Beckway. Rochelin, is that how you say his name? Rochelin, was he practicing? I saw was him, Was he yeah. practicing yeah. today? Yeah. Okay, if don't. If he wears number 12, yeah. Don't call me Cross, <laughs> Nick Cross. Cross, yeah, he it's played. Crass. no, I know. He but. played, he was playing, everybody was in there. Brackets, quickly, uh, what do you got Iowa, on the Iowa, Oregon State. This Friday, is on the women's side? Uh, women, women at the Child Center. Iowa, Oregon State, Friday at 5 p.m. Of Thanksgiving week. The day after Thanksgiving, okay. Friday the 25th. And then who's on the other side of the bracket? Duke and UConn, same wow. day, first game. So one of the they're going to play one of those others. They're going to play either Duke or UConn okay. in that bracket. You have the men real quick before we go or I, not? Have I they do been? have the men. Okay, if time permits. If I permits. can get to it quick enough. I understand how things can and change. And it's probably not. I can't get quick. Man, we, when we come back. We'll, yeah, we'll talk to Big Jim Wilson when we come back, but in the final half hours, we're hoping to get a men's basketball player, maybe, just maybe. We're definitely going to Jordan Pope in the podcast format after practice today. We've got uh, the Hall of Famer Big Jim coming up next hour, 1240 Joe Radio. Time to enter the Magic Kingdom. Denise, would you kindly clear the wheels? Okay, here we go. On three. One, two. Tweets and texts, faces and books. <laughs> Tweets and texts and faces and books. Seems like it's more about FM and color TV. In such an age as this, is there any room left for something as simple as radio? We believe there is. Touchdown, Beaver! Oh, okay. Touchdown, Beaver! The winner is North Carolina, Oregon. Touchdown, Beaver! Iowa State, Michigan, and then...
Joe Beaver Show is on the air with Mike Parker and John Warren, two men on a mission to pro gather the whole family. If you don't have one, fret not. I'll have the management send you up a radio. Be a part of the triumphant return of amplitude modulation. This is the big one, boys. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. <laughs> it's the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers. Twelve forty, Joe Radio. Now we're not sure whether that kingdom shall ever return for amplitude modulation in AM radio, but we are grateful to be on AM twelve forty. Joe Radio this afternoon and grateful to welcome our next guest, OSU Hall of Famer, our broadcast partner, Big Jim Wilson, to talk about a number of things, primarily the Beavers and Cal and the threat level for the Beavers Saturday night and how he's sizing up the matchup and other things, as always, with uh, Big Jim. Jimmy, good afternoon. Thanks for taking time. How are you today? Mark, I'm doing great. We really appreciate you taking time, Jim. You study you prepare as well as anyone i know in the in the profession that i've had the honor of being around and working with so what is what is all of your preparation which is always ongoing even up to kickoff essentially but what is it telling you in the main big picture stuff about saturday night here at reeser well uh you know mike i think number one the beavers are the fact that they're playing at home i think is is a big big deal but the way Oregon State's played at home in the last couple of years, and uh, especially on defense, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. And yeah, there's there's a couple of ways to look at it. You could say, hey, Cal, they scored 35 last week against USC, and they're, they've got to be confident. But you could also think, you know, they've lost five straight, mm-hmm. and the Beavers are uh, two touchdown favorites. So big picture, I think Oregon State's going to win, and, and I think the big thing will be, uh, the defensive line, Trent Bray's group, getting get into the opposing quarterback. They couldn't do it against Washington. I think they will against Cal. Okay. Hey, Jimmy, do you think the Pac-12 home games, no matter who it is, is pretty much a five, four or five-point advantage right off the bat, just the way teams are playing at home this year? Yeah, I do, and maybe even more. I think if Oregon State played that game last week against Washington at home, they'd have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – you know that's you know you're taking at least what that's a three point loss you're turning it into a a win and I I do think that for Oregon State it's been it's been a big deal but you look around and the Pac-12 just the home team wins and and you know USC beats Colorado or Washington will beat Colorado Oregon beat Colorado at Colorado but outside of that I mean it, it seems like any of those close those close games the uh, the home team has come out on top. Jim Wilson joining us. Jim, what is it, though, if, if there is something in Cal's makeup, what it is they're doing, and what if they found or hit on anything that creates a threat level? Every game does. What would it be for Cal when they're playing well, when things are going better for Justin Wilcox's team? What are some of the things they're doing? If I look at Cal and, and uh, Glass is half full, mm-hmm. On the defensive side, they don't have the horses that they've had that they're well-coached. They always do a good job. Justin Wilcox, 
first and foremost is a defensive guy, and, and they play good defense. They just always have uh, under Wilcox. And offensively, uh, you know, they started the year, I think they felt like they were going to be a balanced team. Their, their line was experienced. The, the quarterback was a transfer with experience from Purdue, Jack Plummer, and they loved the freshman running back. And They thought, I think, Bill Musgrave did, that they were going to have a chance to be a pretty good offensive team, but they just ran up against it in terms of, I think it started unraveling with their offensive line, a lot of injuries, a lot of makeshift guys moving around. They've, I think two guys on the offensive line have started all nine, and nobody has started in the same position all nine games. So that's how much movement they've had up front. Consequently, the run game has fallen apart, and so they've just sort of they've passed from the beginning, but not like they have lately, and, and they went. I think they threw it 44 times against Oregon and 49 times against USC. I think they just decided that's who they're going to be, and their best game doing so was last week. So I, I think that's where the threat level would come, is that they, they really feel like they have something offensively in the passing game. But this is a different defense they're running up against than, than the one they saw last year when they were 13 for 19 on third downs. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a staggering number. Now, Washington last week, Jim, what do you make, though? Just We're going to flip to the Beavers and defense and, and just the overall makeup of the Beavers in a moment. But the Huskies wore 11 of 18 last week, even against, I mean, even with, as you say, a much better defense than a year ago. Trent Bray was not the coordinator when the Beavers lost by 14 in Berkeley. So what... What about last week? Is that the outlier? Was it? What did you see happening against the Huskies with respect to third down? A, I was super impressed with a lot that Washington did. A lot. The quarterback's a very good player. He, he, his poise, his ability to get to find time to get rid of the ball, to avoid sacks, to be accurate for the most part to find receivers, just to find them. I mean, just identifying them and uh, their ability just to protect the passer. Uh, That was to me, the biggest difference in the game is Oregon state has pressured and harassed every quarterback this year. I mean, go back to the, the Cougars. I mean, uh, Cameron Ward was running for his life Mm -hmm. for his life. Caleb Williams was running for his life, Mm -hmm. Uh, but this guy, uh, the Beavers could not get to him. Credit the Huskies for that. And I just think the Beaver defensive linemen and, and guys that were coming got tired, and uh, so did the, the defensive backfield. They just they had to run around too long uh, after those guys. Okay. So I, I just credit the Huskies on that one. And uh, I, but that's where I think the difference between Cal and Washington is just that very fact that, that Oregon State will get to uh, Jack Palmer, okay. I believe. Okay. Jim Wilson joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Jimmy, the, one of the storylines early, it started Monday with a question from, I think, Nick Daschle, but it was, it was on my mind, certainly, and that is motivation and, and deflation. It was so, so deflating to lose in the manner that Oregon State did because there were so many opportunities to win. And again, I, I liken it to death by a thousand paper cuts. Are you concerned? What would you say as to the nature of getting them back up again? And because there's so much to play for, normally we wouldn't talk about this because one would say, "Well, these guys are, you know, they're they're Pac-12 players. They they're motivated all the time. It's what competition is." But it, there wasn't really 
a, um, a pushback on the question when it was posed. Jonathan Smith kind of, well, yeah, yeah, no, we've talked to the, the guys about that. What do you think about these guys staying motivated for, uh, for what's still ahead because they had it in their mind so much they wanted to win the title or play for it? Well, because they don't want to feel like they, they did last Friday night ever again. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm sure they were disappointed Friday night. I was. And I still am. Yeah. But that's just the way of sports. And, and these guys have been around long enough. There's no question that was a, a, a hard loss. But then Saturday rolls around, Sunday you're back to work, and, and then the process continues. And here comes this Saturday where you got a chance to, to win a football game. And, you know, you made the analogy of a thousand paper cuts, but the good news for Oregon State, there's only been three paper cuts. And mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And if they can keep it that way, uh, they're in for a special season. I I, th- I still think there's special stuff ahead for this group, and uh, and I think that's what, more importantly, I think that's what they think, and and that's what they're playing for. Jim, it's been an interesting year to watch unfold in so many respects, and one of which you've already alluded to you, this Beaver defense, which is just. Think about what Jonathan and company inherited and what Trent has done since putting his hands on this thing after the Colorado game last year. It's <laughs> some of the struggles on offense this year. In the past, it's been kind of out of balance. Good offense and, hey, can the defense stop anybody? Jim, it feels like that gap <laughs> has closed somewhat in terms of how this overall team is performing this year. What are your, some of your thoughts about that? And it almost feels like the offense has now got to kind of join the party and join the defense, and then that special stuff you're talking about could indeed unfold. Yeah, Mike, it was actually a year ago that Oregon State made the change. Uh, after game nine at Colorado is when Trent Bray got the chance he got three games to audition on defense plus the bowl game. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally since that point, Oregon State has played good defense. Uh, I think through the nine games, or the, to, to, to what it would be, 13 games he's coached, mm-hmm. uh, the Beavers are averaging, I think, three, giving up 350 yards a game on defense, something along those lines. And uh, you look back in the Jonathan Smith era, five years or four and, and, and change. Literally, year one, the Beavers were 1-11, and 11, but they had good offense that year. They were sixth in the back 12 in total offense. They had a 1,300-yard rusher in Jamar Jefferson and totaled over 400 yards a game. But the defense was was over-the-top bad that year, uh, 550-some yards a game and 45 points. Year two, the defense got way better, but still giving up. 450 yards a game, and but the offense kept getting better and better and better. Well, I, I dare say that right now the strength of this Beaver team is now the defense, not the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the Beavers have some, you know, issues there. They had their a starting quarterback was supposed to be returning and so forth, and and uh, Chance got hurt, and and that has slowed the offense down. But the defense has been good, literally from the opening bell this year. And so that, that's what I think the biggest difference in this year's team is that for the first time in the Jonathan Smith era, the defense is the strength of this football team. And, and the, the, the stats just bear it out. You look at the defense, they're third in the Pac-12 in the major category, mm-hmm. scoring defense, total defense, rush defense, and I think they're fourth in pass defense. Top third in everything. Top 
quarter in the three majors. So, you know, I think, you know, I think it's just been hard to, or slow for me. I didn't even really think about it in those terms, but I was thinking about that this week, and it's it's just true. The defense has become the strength of this team. Hmm. Now, Jim, if that, okay, it's true. The numbers bear it out, the what our eyeballs tell us. You know, Mike Riley always used to use the phrase, you play the game you're in. You may have some preconceived ideas about how you want to score, how you want to attack, even major philosophical ways. I'm kind of getting to going for it on fourth down as Jonathan. It's in his DNA, and he does it a lot, and it's on brand, as he said on Monday. I guess I'm wondering if they look at all the, the games and the tape far more <laughs> thoroughly than we do. Do you think there will be any sort of uh, almost a, an acknowledgement of that going forward And if, if chance is still out and you can't maybe do some of the things you would hope to offensively that you might quote-unquote play the game you're in, take points when you have an opportunity? If Everett Hayes looks like maybe he's coming back in, take field goals when you can. I mean, I don't want to second-guess people, but I'm just wondering how you think this thing plays out from here. I think that's a good question. In terms of game management now, the kicker, the health of the kicker, yeah. the confidence in the kicker is part of this equation. Throwing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Smith came in, and like I said, offense good right away, mm-hmm. defense not good. So to win games, and, and it's credit to him, he's trying to win games. He's not trying to to, to lose by just a little. Or, right. uh, more of a, he's trying to win the game. We're going to have to steal possession somewhere along the way. And we've seen onside kicks, fake punts, trick plays, mm-hmm. but also a heavy dose of going for it on fourth down. And that makes 100% sense when your offense is better than your defense. Put, right. the, hand, put the ball in your hands or keep the ball in the hands of your offense as opposed to mm-hmm. kick the ball away and watch the other team run down the field. So all of that has made sense. Now, this is the first year where you start to ask yourself, well, wait a second now, let's punt that ball and, or, or take the points and let our defense. Win, win the game because uh, again, like you mentioned, Mike, you're you're in the game or we're in the six. You are who you are, and right now the Beavers are a defensive, a better defensive team, and so you know that's the thought. Uh, the, the sort of caveat and all that is you know where you are with your kicker, you know, and I know Jonathan has said you know I you know we could go for it or we could kick a field goal, but we're not sure we're gonna make a field goal. Yeah. So yeah. now those are all elements, but I, I do think moving forward, I think you might see just a little more uh, conservative play that way uh, just because of how good the defense has been and, and understanding that, hey, look, you know, and, our, and the punter himself, uh, Luke Loser, mm-hmm. aren't good punter. Yeah. So uh, in that regard, I mean, you know, Oregon State will probably play some more field position than they have uh, through the first X years of, of Jonathan's tenure. Yeah, I guess, Jim, uh... You seem, you're not dismissing Cal. You understand things happen in this league. I, I, I get that, and you're all in on Cal. I guess if you don't mind, maybe a quick thought about what Jonathan has talked about, I mean, what John Warren just talked about with respect to home field advantage and so on. If the Beavs are able to take care of business against Cal and have a chance to go to Tempe and get an eighth win, what <laughs> – what is your sense about that game on the horizon, down the road, early on the road in Tempe? I, I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, I think this week, do they play Washington State? Yeah. You got the pack. He's got the release, I, I think, I think they, there. Well, I think Washington State visits. Uh, uh, Arizona State has to go to Pullman. 
and I'm very interested yes, to see that's correct. how that shakes out because uh, uh, Arizona State gave up 400 yards rushing last week against UCLA, and they were missing a couple of their defensive linemen, but 400 yards wow. rushing. Yeah. And meanwhile, Washington State decided that they were going to run downhill with their quarterback, and they rushed for 300 yards against um, Stanford. Stanford. Mm-hmm. And so I think you might just have a perfect timing mix of Washington State figuring out, hey, we need to run it, and Arizona State having trouble stopping the run, because that's where I think Oregon State can really make make some hay against Arizona State is is, is running the football. Uh, and another aspect of that is, regardless, I, I think it's been, I'm sure it's been this week, moving forward, I don't know, but I do know that last week it was a hard uh, the elements were difficult to pass, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to be the case this Saturday. I don't think that's going to be the case in Tempe, mm-hmm. and who knows what's going to happen in, in the last game. But I, I do think that uh, that's going to be an interesting I, – I, Arizona State, to me, is a talented team, and they've switched uh, coaches, switched offensive philosophies, quarterbacks. And so I, I'm still interested. I think they're a work in progress. I'm interested to see what happens with them in Pullman. Sure. Hey, Jim, last thing on, on Ben Golbranson. If, you know, the, if it was a conservative thing as far as throwing because of the swirling winds and things like that last week, opening it up, what do you think he can do? I mean, is he – it seems like he'll throw into coverage and have some spectacular catches on the long ball. And he, he doesn't hurt you. He doesn't kill you. But it seems like he doesn't – help you beyond average what do you think about ben at this point and what you know how much of a passing game we might see well i mean statistically the beavers are are 11th out of 12 in the back 12 in passing offense and they're neck and neck with colorado for that 12 spot so i mean you know i mean without i'm not saying i'm just saying that's that's the passing game so um, game manager, I guess, is what you're what you're you're saying. He doesn't hurt you, but I I think we're capable of more in the passing game. Uh, I think it boils down to first of all, we've got to protect him a little better. The protection hasn't been great, but what other teams are doing as the more the Beavers run the ball, the more they say, "No, nah, you're not going to run it." Mm-hmm. More people at the line of scrimmage, they bring people down, but then they also bring them. So not, not only are they at the line of scrimmage, they're coming. So if, you, if you're going to run, you're going to run into the teeth of it. And if you're going to pass, you better get rid of it in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what they're facing. And then so balls need to be completed down the field a little bit. That requires time, and it requires some accuracy down the field. And, you know, that's something Oregon State just hasn't been able to solve. And so that, that, that's, what they're, that's what they're up against. Yeah. And uh, that's – I'm Brian Lindgren and – and Jonathan Smith and Denville Branson and everybody in their offensive room for them it's it's a it's a process. I mean they're going through it. We want points now. We want points yesterday. But as uh, as the staff and the people working through it, it's a process. And you just hope that the next week they they get better and they, and they hit on some of those. Big Jimmy, it's great talking to you. Thank you for a generous amount of your time today. You're, you said your schedule was a little. Uh, easier to deal with with respect to our requests of you. So thanks for making time, Jim. We look forward to seeing you Saturday at Reeser Stadium. Great to talk to you, Jim. Thanks, guys. Okay, Jimmy. Thank you. Big Jim Wilson, OSU Hall of Famer. We're coming to you from the media room at 
Gill Coliseum. What are you doing with this? Well, I was just going to take a look at uh, the <laughs> other. No, I was going to take it. Uh, <laughs> you usually take your do. release. That's I why I was <laughs> policing it. <laughs> <laughs> the Pac-12 release. Is, is it, again, a Thursday phenomenon? It came out today, or did it come out yes. yesterday? No, it okay. didn't come out till today. University hero uh, <laughs> tomorrow, Davey Kell. He came upon the scene. Dave Kell. If Friday. he's listening, you're no. going to have to explain this to him. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Uh, Dave Kell will host us tomorrow at the University Hero, uh, 5th Street, downtown uh, Corvallis. Great spot. Uh, University Hero and 5th Street Growlers will have at least two pair of tickets, maybe another as we work on that for the sold-out Oregon State-California game Saturday. Gift certificates to University Hero. Gift certificates to 5th Street Growlers. Uh, free games of bowling. Three of those certificates to give away to Highland Bowl on Northwest 9th Street a Beaverbacker lunch special. That'll be tomorrow. Barry Tompkins and Donovan Hunter will join us tomorrow. Uh, and we might sneak in one more. We're, we're working on it, but certainly we'll visit with Dave Kell. Both of his sons played at Oregon State, and he is uh, the proprietor and host at University Hero, and hope you'll come out and support Dave and his sponsorship of the Joe Beaver Roadshow. Look forward to good weather uh, tomorrow. And, and Jim mentioned, Jim, is he right? I haven't looked this far ahead. He says he thinks the weather conditions will be good to operate in Saturday night. Is that uh, your sense? Actually, it's going to rain tomorrow. Tomorrow's a little rain? Okay. A lot of rain. Oh, really? Sunshine on Saturday. Oh, okay. Friday well, is an outlier. Okay. Not bad today. Rain tomorrow and sunshine on Saturday. Okay. And well, for the next week. We'll take that. We hope that the rain will not in any wise deter you to come join us. No, because we'll, we'll be inside. inside. We'll be inside. Plenty you know, of room. And he's got a roof over the, the shop there at University. We were on the sidewalk last time we Yes, we were. And that was, I can't remember the time in the Sasha Chewich era when he and Coach Reinert showed up. Yeah. And Dave Evenson showed up. Yeah. And we were outside. But we'll be inside <laughs> tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. Uh, we hope to see you. We'll take a break. Open phones and text down the stretch. We'll look at some brackets. Uh, you've done some research, and we may get a men's basketball player or somebody before 1 o'clock. I don't know hope so. what their window their window is practice right now. I'm going to go up and take a quick look, Doc, and maybe if you have any bracketology I need to there. look because the PK thing is a mess. The website is? Yes. That, yeah, I cannot. I mean, I'm looking at it. Here they, it, it shows every team, every game, yeah. and the Beavers aren't in it. And I know that there are You two, know that they think, are in it. I think there are two versions of PK. Okay. And I know there's men and women, but there might even be two versions of men, two versions of women. Yeah, yeah. Where Oregon and Oregon State are in, not in the same ones. Well, so no chance of even playing one that, another? That's They're what kind I originally of thought. Okay, but yeah. if you Google it and you go to the website that's rosequarter.com, the schedule, it shows all these teams... And it's, there's no Oregon State. Okay, it feels like a Far West Classic writ very large is what this it, kind of yes, feels and seems I'm going like. to do some more research or even have the kid do some because he's better at it than I am <laughs> and try to figure this whole the thing out. The possible opponents for the Beavers is all we're really yeah. interested in, even with the great I, teams Iowa that are out on there. on Friday with the, the first one that the, I saw was correct. For the women. Yes, for the women. Okay. For the women. Yeah. The men play at noon on Thanksgiving Day. Against Duke. Yes. And Those two things we know for we sure. We know that, but then beyond that, what do we know? Well, that's why I'm okay. trying to find the brackets. <laughs> we'll take a break. If you know, feel free. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there. I remember, who did we hear refer to Ron Barr, Sports Byline USA? Who was talking about Ron Barr with us the other day? Ted Robinson, Ted Robinson, maybe? yeah. How Ron was calling that game for yeah. somebody, maybe Stanford Radio? Ron uh, Barr? Yeah, Stanford Radio. It was, it was Ted telling us that Ron Barr did yeah, that. Yeah, and I remember Barr was... 
that when he was doing Sports Byline USA was, I remember one night driving around, and it was almost a condescending tone. We were moving into the era where fans and everybody has more access to information or just as much access yeah. than people like like you and me in the business or whatever. Right. I mean, people can find stuff and do it all the time and have interest and, and go down certain trails and right. know more than we'll ever know. Yeah, absolutely. But that wasn't quite the case. It was just starting to happen in the early 90s. Right. But I remember Ron Barr on his show, Sports Byline, saying, well, now you go ahead and give us a call, and I want to hear from you fans. I mean, you fans are just, I'm amazed at what you fans know. <laughs> I remember Ron Barr saying that and thinking, Ron, don't sound too amazed about it. I mean, <laughs> You, you stay, don't go too hard on well, that but, theme like because say, it's going to be insulting. A, he was amazed because they were getting access to things they didn't get yeah, before. I don't think he was quite aware of how right. they were getting all right. this information. Now, how do you know that? Right. <laughs> you fans, wow. You, you're, it felt like he was saying, you're smarter than I really gave you credit for. I thought <laughs> you were. But I remember driving along hearing Ron say that, thinking, of course. they. I mean, yes, that's not surprising at all yeah. to me. Yeah. So. You fans, <laughs> if you if you know exactly how it's bracketed out for the Oregon State men's and women's basketball teams and who they're going to play, text it in right now because John's been trying to go through these yeah. brackets and it's a bit of a hieroglyphic approach. So if you know, 497-5356. And one other thing. If you yes. want to win a pair of tickets to tonight's women's basketball oh, game yes. here against Seattle University, lower balcony seats, if you want to win them, text right now, uh, Red Hawks. Test the, the word Red Hawks right now, and we'll do the drawing at the end of the show. Okay. And I'll leave them here in Wilco yeah, we'll, whoever the winner excellent. is. Excellent. We'll take a break. More coming up on 1240 Joe Radio. This is Jack Coletto, and you're listening to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Continuing here from the media room downstairs in Gill Coliseum, where we haven't been here for a while, save for post-game and conversations with coaches Ruick and and Wayne Tinkle, and we're back to do that again this year, but it's been a weird couple of years. Mike went upstairs to check out men's basketball, see what's going on there, maybe if we could get a player if their practice ends before 1 o'clock. I don't think it's supposed to, so we may strike out on that. However, we do have Jordan Pope coming downstairs to talk to us today for the podcast, which you can, I mean, that's a good 15, 20 minutes of uh, uh, conversation with the player about anything and everything, and we'll do that coming up. Uh, at 1.30 today, and then that'll be posted later tonight or perhaps early tomorrow at osubeavers.com in the fan zone part, so you can listen to that conversation with Jordan Pope. Let's go to the phones. The University Honda text line is 541-497-5356. Same phone number uh, for the uh, phone line, and that is 541-497-5356. And if you just uh, text Redhawks to... Uh, to 497-5356. We'll put you into a, a pool for Beaver uh, basketball tickets for tonight's women's game against Seattle University. It's a 6 o'clock game. Let's go to the phones. Dave from Tumwater. Hope you're having a good uh, Thursday, Dave. Mike's upstairs, so you got me for now. That's just as well, John. You know how much I like talking. I think you give me more line than Mike does typically, <laughs> so uh, I appreciate that. As always, you know, I listen to Jim Wilson, John. Yeah. The way some people, oh, there was the old ad about E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton talked, <laughs> yeah. everyone listened. Two, there aren't very many people alive who probably remember that ad campaign. So the, clo the closest analog is like when the 
when Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve publishes their minutes, I mean, people study every word in that <laughs> in order to see, well, this was, this was the text last month. What word is in this, this week's 7,000-word document that wasn't in last month's 7,000-word document? So, um, so I, you always have to pay close attention to Jim. And, and he, has, um, he has such a measured approach to things, don't you think? I mean, he's yeah. in calm, cool, right. collected language. Uh, are, you, are you back, Mike? No, no, this is John. No, I agree with you because, because, and I've always noticed that about Jim. He never gets too high and he never gets too low. He's a very, he's a true professional, there's no doubt. And he has a lot of wisdom. So, you, you know, it might be something you're thinking and you can't verbalize, and he'll verbalize it very well. Yeah, he, you're exactly right, John. He has, um, uh, he has kind of a, um, a poet. In that sense, he's like a football poet. In that, you know, you can write a 10,000-word manuscript, and, and a poet can maybe get the same message across in 250 words of prose. Yeah. And that's an exaggeration. Uh, but, uh, but, but Jim is able to communicate things. So his key point, John, just to kind of tease this out, and I'm going to loop, loop back to something I said on Monday uh, that, uh, that uh, may have been upsetting in some qu- uh, quarters. But I'm referring to Jim's talking about early on when Smith didn't have a good defense, he felt like he had to steal possessions. You remember that part of yeah. his uh, analysis. Yeah. And he was absolutely right about this. And so the uh, – and, and here's where, as I often say, Jim is never overt in his criticism, constructive or otherwise, because he's a company man. And he, he doesn't want to inflame anyone, but he wants. But he's loyal to people who pay attention to him, and he wants them to be able to kind of get the message of what he's talking about. So what Jim is saying, in effect, is that Jonathan Smith is still trying to steal possessions. But here's the point, and now, now here comes the loop back to Monday's uh, comment about the fact, and, and you picked up on this, John, which I appreciate, um, that even even average game manager quarterback play would have us with perhaps two wins more than we currently have. And Jim said as much when he says we're 11th in passing in the conference. But here's the thing, John. I'm finally getting around to making the point. The reason Jonathan Smith is still trying to steal possession is not because he doesn't trust his defense. It's because he doesn't trust his offense in the red zone and maybe more generally. And he doesn't trust his quarterback play. I mean, isn't that a fair deduction from all that Jim said without Jim coming out and saying Jonathan Smith doesn't trust his quarterbacks because Jim Wilson's never going to say that? No, no, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because, because you and, and, and you for Jim and you for me and me for whoever, we, don't, we, shouldn't, we can't put words or thoughts in Jonathan Smith's mind. We can only speculate on what he might be thinking about certain situations. But I don't know that we can be certain about oh, he's trying to steal possessions no. or things like that. There's no doubt, I think, that he realizes, without having him say, saying this before, he being Jonathan, that he's, he needs a better quarterback. That, that right now, the best they have has been because of injury to Chance. And Chance is still your starting quarterback. Remember, he's the starting quarterback who is hurt right now. He wouldn't be, he would be playing if he were healthy. It's not a situation of, is Ben the next guy? I think Ben... 
not to pile on him. I keep saying he won't. He's not helping you right now in the passing game, but he's not killing you either. And that's kind of where the beaters are. It's like if you had an average to slightly better quarterback Friday night, you win maybe going away, but you didn't. And I had forgotten about the weather too, the swirling winds. It could be very different this Saturday night at Reeser where you're home yeah. and the, the, the calmer winds, and, and Ben could have a tremendous game. But I will say I like the that kid. He's a- not going to kill you. Yeah, that was a great point you made, John. I want to, uh, much as I was commending Mike yesterday, I want to commend you on that point. You're right. Uh, Gold Branson, he's not, uh, there was more, uh, I, we know, we got, what, nine games in the bank now, so we can see uh, half of them uh, started by Nolan, half of them started by Gold Branson. Right. And what do you, what can you infer from that? There was more upside with Nolan, obviously, and the yardage total was higher. Yeah. But he was throwing more picks at the same uh, by the same time. And in fact, the point of fact, John, uh, Go Blanson has a better win-loss record for games started than Chance Nolan does. That, things, that's true. Things being said. Yeah, that's true. I, that's a team effort on that, as is losses, team efforts too. Uh, no, you're right about that. I thought, though, that the Nolan picks were getting the yips late. I don't think he started out that way. I know the USC game led into the Utah game, which was the end of him because he got hurt in Utah, halfway through Utah. So it was the yips late. He's still a guy that we were raving about how he had increased his long ball, his accuracy on the long ball, until he started to throw those picks. But, John, isn't it? And I know when we talk about the medical, uh, by the way, if you need to go to another caller, I mean, I'm just trying to play, do some role play as your sidekick today. Um, uh, but <laughs> inflating my own ego by saying that. No, but no, isn't no. it um, fun, John? No, I just say no, no. Keep oh. keep going. Uh, now, and now I forgot what I uh, what I was going to say. I got caught up in my own direction. But you know, you're right about. Um, we don't know what's. I mean, ultimately, yeah. we don't know. But yeah. I'm just going. But I'm just going to. I'm just going to apply my own skill set to my own profession. I mean, when you're when you're a historian and you've got a documentary record in front of you, uh, I mean, some things are overt and explicit, and somebody said such and such, and you can you can replicate that in your text. But it's your responsibility to make deductions from gaps in the record. I mean, that's what you do as a historian. And, and as somebody who, in a manner of speaking, is a historian of Oregon State football, sure. uh, I mean, I'm just making an obvious uh, inference. I know what I was going to ask. Isn't that a Because coaches can't legally talk about players' physical conditions and so forth. Which, by the way, John, is a very convenient mode for coaches <laughs> of all types in the modern era. I mean, that is a great escape, escape hatch. Because there's a lot of speculation out there that, in fact, Chance Dolan was obviously hurt the first game. But, I mean, what is the nature of his injury? I mean, is it, if it's a concussion, I can't remember a player that was in concussion protocol as long as Chance had he sprained a neck. I know we can't talk about this, but it just strikes me as just a little suspicious. I actually think a change was made in the starter, that no one can say that officially. I mean... Who knows? That's why on Monday I posed a question, which Mike poo-pooed, and you resisted yourself, which is, why doesn't someone publicly ask Jonathan Smith, why not give Christine Jebby a chance? I mean, as Jim Wilson said, they're 11th in passing. 
There's not much ground to lose. Why not give the guy a chance? I mean, it's just it's just posing a question. I don't know. I what thought that I thought Dashell did around this proposition. I thought Dash Nick Dashell did. Well, I must have missed that. Well, and what was the answer to that? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was a it was a kind of a throw in. Like obviously we're not talking about this, but what about Tristan? I I think, and I think the answer was like, yeah, no, no. Now I could be completely wrong on that. Like it just kind of came and went real quick. And it's a given that that it's not. I, I, I had heard that he was not uh, mobile enough, that he was, that you know, that Hammy was a really bad injury. Now, I don't know wow. for sure because we don't get to see practice, but clearly there's got to be a reason. A guy that started for you at one point and showed some really good stuff, and now another guy who's, I wouldn't say struggling, but he's not helping get over the hump, if you will. Again, the weather notwithstanding, yep. I, for, I keep forgetting about how bad the weather was in, in Washington. I wasn't there. Others may have said, oh, it wasn't that bad. I don't know. But I think there were some swirling winds, and that was a problem. And that kind of shortened up yep. the, the – go ahead. And I, and I want to contest that a little bit, John, because I was there. Yeah. And I made a study of where – and I was at the end of the field, which is the lake end by the Oregon State Band, where you could see the flag. Yeah. Uh, and you could see the, the streamers on the tops of the goalposts. I did not sense that the wind was swirling. It was forceful. Uh-huh. It, it had velocity to it, but it was a pronounced wind, John, from one direction, strictly and straightly, orthogonally, west to east, which is why the decision not to kick field goals simply didn't make any sense because, I mean, if it was into the wind, you could say, well, that's a little far going into it. He would, Smith would have had the okay, wind in his back. The wind was due out of the straight, I mean, just as I say, orthogonal. Okay, right out of okay the, hold right on. Right out to the lake. Last and, thing, last thing. And, last yes. thing, we got to go because we got to take a break, and I've okay. given you so much time. <laughs> I've given you so much. I just much. got back there. And I don't. Hey. I didn't want Mike to talk because yeah. it would take us even so, further. I, yeah, I'm not going to follow one of the But I have John, one question. And we've talked about it all, Dave. You know I love you. It's great. I'm just kidding about the whole much time. <laughs> but I want to know what this word orthogonally is <laughs> before we go to break. It, it, basically, it, uh, it means in a straight direction. Okay. Per- perpendicular would be a close analog. Okay. Now, one time, Mike was dropping uh, machinations. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to bring that in. And I was at a – we were at a third-floor valley <laughs> – gathering with Riley. I don't think it went back to Dennis. And I, I remember using the word, and I know I used it correctly, yes. but I still had the head snaps. Yeah. Kerry Eggers was one that will stick in my memory. His head snapped around like, well, what are you using that word for? <laughs> and it was not incorrect. I just think he did, they didn't expect me to pull that word out. So I'm going to tell the people now, I am never going to try to use orthogonally. <laughs> Since I just learned it. Dave, can, yeah, go ahead. Can go. I make one last comment, John, if I might? You have been very generous, and I want to acknowledge that. Yeah. I think one point was clear from Coach Smith's press conference. Chris told me when I got home uh, that the, the comments that keep the, broadcast, the broadcasters on TV were always talking about met, the analytics. and uh, mm-hmm. Coach Smith made clear on Monday, it's not a matter about analytics. No. He's just going to go for it, whether, you know, 
They have the torpedoes. When I'm in a situation like this, I'm going to go for it on, and try to convert rather than kick a field yeah, goal. Yeah. But I did want to kind of blow the whistle on the swirling winds. It was not my – and I'm, I'm almost at field level. Yeah. Not at the 50-yard line. I did not get the sense that the winds were swirling. They were blowing forcefully. Again, John, yeah. orthogonally in one direction. Okay. Let's leave it there, guys. Okay. Thanks, thank Dave. you, Dave. Hey, we, thank you, Dave. We break. We'll come back maybe with Eric Reveno, assistant coach, just for a quick hit. A very would be a I, very quick hit. I knew hit. you would be successful. But that, I'm trying. They're kind of wrapping things up right now. I was able to see the last 10 minutes or so of yeah. the practice during which time Dave was talking for the most part. No, I'm uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, a good chunk That's of time. That's good. No, I, I'm sorry I missed it. But we break. We'll wrap it up. Tomorrow we'll be at University Hero. Again, we'll give those details in a moment. We have a podcast that we'll be conducting, in the interview portion of it, with Jordan Pope. Yep. And that'll be uploaded later today. But the freshman guard who scored 19 in his Beaver debut in helping the Beavs come from behind and beat Tulsa will learn his story later. But we'd love uh, to get Coach Reveno or somebody. I don't know if there's any texts on the text line. We'll get to down the stretch on 1240 Joe Radio. You're listening to The Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker and John Warren would like to use this song to reflect on when they began this show nearly 20 years ago. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Orthogonal. Okay. I don't know that song, Johnny. Do you know that song? Okay. Hey, thanks, Josh. Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Yeah, I've heard heard that song once before. CVB, thanks for the... uh, it's a picture of a definition, the Merriam-Webster's definition of orthogonal. I, I've never heard the I've word before. I've never heard that word before mm-hmm. in my life. But, you know, Dave's... That's a nice word, though. He's an uber-intellectual guy. I like it, though. Have you ever heard the first douche jig of the opera Sweat and Smash no, by Gil Kakimo? Cr- I want to credit TJ. He made a promo out of that, like, within hours. He's got that as a promo, the opera. Yes, and we've got like four of them, and sometimes I'll be sitting there in the morning and just pull one over to fill breaks, and I didn't know he had that. I didn't know. I don't know any of them, and uh, just by looking at the title, and it played, and I laughed again. It's like, oh, my gosh, that was just yesterday. I just saw Noel Manon walk by, she of the game-winning free throw. I don't think, just looking at the clock, and clock gate. Well, there wouldn't be time to do the interview well, anyway. Well, no, I said if there's if there's five minutes or thereabouts, and we're at 54 now, heading to straight up to one, Coach Reveno, I'd love to talk to him briefly about yeah. he has the scout for FAMU, the Florida A&M University Rattlers of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. One thing that I that I haven't learned enough about, and I saw Ashley Adamson and Ernie talking yeah. about this, kind of in the Pac-12 basketball after dark version after all the games on Monday night. Yeah. Something about this is part of a Pac-12 SWAC legacy oh, yeah. and home and homes. But I have not seen, just to be honest with you, John, I have not seen literature to that effect. Or I've not here either. is the mission statement and why this is going on, other than some language that the Pac-12 has put out about this is going to be an educational opportunity you. For the SWAC programs to visit Pac-12 schools and for Pac-12 schools to pay return trips to uh, their SWAC brethren as part of the Pac-12 SWAC SWAC legacy series. I know that there is a series. They they did it. I just wasn't started yet. I didn't know if it had started. It has started. These games Monday were the kind of the beginnings of them there was some Pac-12 SWAC teams playing. We're part of it tonight, which means we'll be going down on a road trip to – 
one of those teams. Yeah, to uh, the, the town that uh, Florida A&M is in, which is uh, Gaines. Uh, no, not Gaines. I, I, Miami got, area. Yeah, I've got it on my chart here. Go ahead. What do you got? Well, I was just going to say they lost 80 to 45 to Tallahassee. There Thank were you. no, there were no players in double figures. They trailed by 11 at halftime and then lost 80 to 45. Right, but not a bad first half. No, not a bad first half, and they got out rebound. No, yeah, 44 to 26. I mean, they got dominated in every. Oh, they were only three. They'll launch them three of 18 from three. I knew it was one of. The, I just I've I've written. You see, look at my. I mean, I've got my yeah. notes on FAMU, 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 whatever yeah. they say for Florida. Atlantic, uh, uh, Florida A and M Rattlers yeah. you know, from Tallahassee, and I, I knew it was one of the major, either Tallahassee or Gainesville, and I just I lost it yeah. in the moment trying to cover too many things. So they're in the shadows of Florida State. Yes, they're I think three or four miles from there. That's Bob, like uh, Ypsilanti, Eastern uh, Michigan. Bob Keith, I understand, is on the Downward Dog phone line. Uh, always appreciate Bob's contribution. So, Bob, what is it today that has provoked you to uh, give us a call? Yeah, the, or the Oregon women are in a different event in Portland. Uh, they're in called the PK event. Okay. Uh, with three other teams, North Carolina, which Oregon opens up with, and then Iowa State and Michigan State are in that event. So that's, those are the only four? I mean, there's yeah, two there's tournaments. Oregon State's playing in a different event. Yeah. The PK, they call it the what? The PK event? The, the PK 85 event. I don't know where that came from. Okay. Well, Phil Knight's 85th birthday, I believe. There's yeah. two sets of four yeah. women's tournaments and two sets of four men's tournaments. I got gotcha. you. That's why it's confusing. It is confusing. So the women will play, Bob, from your understanding, two games. They'll open with... Uh, who are they opening with? Iowa? Yeah. Uh, the, or the Oregon women, the Oregon State women open with Iowa. And then play and either who? Either Duke or UConn. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So we had the first one right. <laughs> and then Oregon's in a completely different tournament, also being played at the same venues during the same weekend, right? Right, Bob? Correct. Correct. And the women will be at the Child Center for both of their games? I believe so. No, yes. I think I think they move over to either the Coliseum or the Rose Garden for a next round. Yeah. The Coliseum. Well, yeah. Is yeah. The, so they are using the Coliseum. They're using the three events. Gotcha. Three, three venues. It is pretty yeah. far-flung and a tad bit confusing. Yes. By the time we get there, we hope to Not have. Not great marketing. Uh, let's do a quick drawing. Yeah. I've got the computer that can do this. And a quick drawing. Here it is. For anybody that texts Red Hawks, made yourself eligible. Larry Humphrey from Albany. Larry Humphrey wins a pair of tickets to see the game tonight against Seattle University. Six o'clock here on Joe. Five thirty, actually. And with you'll Ron leave Callen. the tickets at Will Call. I'll leave them right now. Ron Callen on the air at five thirty tomorrow. We will be at University Hero in Fifth Street Growlers downtown Corvallis. At least two pair, maybe more tickets to give away to the football game. Gift certificates to University Hero and and free games of bowling from Highland Bowl plus a Beaverback special. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow between 11 and 1 at University in downtown Corvallis with Barry Tompkins and Donner as guests tomorrow. Thanks to Jim Wilson and Lindsey Schnell. Thanks for joining us today on the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio.